What's up, brother? And welcome to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm Johnny King, and I'm a life enthusiast, growth mentor, and men's lifestyle fulfillment coach. I've dedicated my life to helping men who feel like they're just not living up to their full potential to level up and become the king of their kingdoms. So whether you've been feeling stuck or numb or extremely angry with not living up to your greatest potential in any area of your life, then I'll be in your ears every week dropping some truly transformative episodes to help you become a man that you're proud to be. I'm glad you're here. Let's get to it. Hey, what's going on, brother? It's Johnny King with another episode of the Becoming Kings podcast, and I'm so excited, privileged, honored to have John Henry Parker, uh, who is a behavioral assessment analyst and author. He's a veterans advocate, uh, just uh, a king amongst kings. I'm so grateful to have you on the podcast, brother, because I feel like just from what we've already talked about, from the things I've read about you, uh, the other podcast episodes you've recorded with other amazing men that I know, um, you have such wisdom to pass along to younger men to younger generations. And I just, I'm just so grateful to have you here. So welcome to the show. Thank you. I've really been looking forward to talking to you. So I'm happy to be here. Yeah. It's, it's, uh, I'll tell you what, like, uh, you know, I write about on my book too. I start my book off with uh, a loss of a friend and I definitely have gone through losses of family members and, and that sort of thing. Your story is a pretty, uh, tragic and yet uh inspiring one with with how you've worked your way through loss and trauma and bullying and grief um if you don't mind give a little bit of a, a snapshot for the for listener who maybe have not picked up your book just yet or any of your books for that matter uh with who you are and how you have found yourself to this moment where we're chatting well it's been a challenging upbringing uh, and a challenging life, but finding purpose, finding joy on the other side of trauma is really what I'm, I'm here to do is just mm. help people see that it's entirely possible. Mm. You know, I, I grew up in a, in a, in a bad part of South Phoenix with a lot of gangs, a lot of drugs, a lot of violence, a lot of, and uh, I never even saw it as bullying. I thought I never, it was terrorizing. Mm. Like outside of my house was dangerous and yeah, but constantly getting chased and beat up by groups of guys, you know, crack ribs, fingers broken, you know, it was just like normal. Like it just, I, so I never, I never, I always chuckled at bullying. I didn't until I really realized in my forties, like, wow, that's, <laughs> I blocked it out. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, but inside the house was equally as terrifying because I, my, my father was a combat vet from, Korea. He was in the Marine Corps. Mm. And then he was in the Air Force as a reconnaissance photographer in Vietnam and got shot down with his pilot wow. and had to avoid getting captured. So she was a really dominant, intro, introverted, violent guy who drank a lot. Mm. And, um, and he should have gone to prison because everything he was doing was just completely abusive. Wow. You know, and, uh, to our whole family. And so I, I grew up, you know, um, really in a violent household, like uh, all, all the time. And I used to, 
I, I write about it. You know, I, I made a science project of my welts because I always had welts and they were always underneath my jeans and I could mm. feel them hardening that I have fresh welts over old welts, you know, and it's just uh, how you normalize things as a kid. You don't know any, any better. Exactly. You know, so that was a, it was my, my, my upbringing was harsh, a lot of trauma, a lot of violence. And so I was terrified, you know, going, growing up and then the neighborhood. And then as I got older, you know, uh, I was able to get in the military and, you know, I was just going to come back and annihilate everybody. I was just tired of being messed with, mm. you know, including my dad. So mm. I went, I, I went in with a vengeance and I was the only one of all my buddies that didn't have a felony. So I was definitely using it as, as my ticket to get out. <laughs> Jeez. Yeah. You know, so, um, but then I got, I, I was only in the army for 10 weeks before I got separated, like maybe up 10 days before boot camp graduation, they singled me out because I had a, a pretty severe injury in my arm before I went in. Mm. Uh, I had all the muscles and the tendons severed in my arm. And so I didn't have any, very much feeling or strength in my left hand. Mm. But I was able to hide out during the induction process with hundreds of other guys and did push-ups on my knuckles and fake the pull-ups. I was able to get through the physical because they didn't rececognize what's going on. Yeah. And I thought I, I thought I made made out. But then about 10 days before graduation, they, they pulled me off the monkey bars and they're like, pull up bars. And I'm like, what the hell's wrong with your hand? And when I told them it was a pre-existing injury, they, they immediately separated me on a medical discharge. Mm. So here I am. And my dad is just, he just hates me. He, every time he looks at me, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a reminder of him as a failure as a father, yeah. you know? Yeah. So I, I go home and he won't even let me in the front door. Doesn't shake my hand. You know, so I end up walking away, sleeping in my front, my, my friend's front yard for a couple of months and then a little camper on the side of the house, you know, um, and a few months later, I got a harebrained idea that maybe I could get my hand to work properly. I could get back in. And so I went back to the recruiter and they laughed and they're like, now it's highly unlikely you would ever be considered for anything because I've already separated you on a, separated you on a medical discharge. I'm like, so it's mm -hmm. highly unlikely but not impossible. Yeah. So you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. And they're yeah. like, this is bullshit, man. You shouldn't even yeah. try. Yeah. And so, uh, but I did. And I, I, I befriended, I got, I got in touch with some of the people on the medical board, kind of told them what I was doing. And I was able to go see a physical therapist. Still didn't have any feeling in my fingers, barely enough strength, but I could stretch them a little more. I could do a push up mm. on my hand. Mm. And so I got back in, I passed the physical and instead of going cool. back in the arm. I'm going to show my dad. I went to the Marine Corps, you know? And so, and that was a whole other level of hell, right? Mm -hmm. It just mm -hmm. descends upon you. Mm -hmm. um, but I was able to, I had some really severe stress fractures in my shins. And I, and I just almost got separated from the Marine Corps on a medical because, you know, my shin splints, this massive stress fractures. Um, but then when I thought about my dad being so disappointed in me again, I just ate the pain mm -hmm. and within a few weeks they hardened up and it, it was, it was intense. But when my shins hardened up, I, I developed a mindset to harden up. And then I, I, my, my fitness levels exploded to really, really super high levels. And I never looked back. Mm. So that was the shifting point for me was finding a new identity. 
mm-hmm. not just as victimized kid, mm-hmm. but like a lot of veterans. I mean, I looked really squared away and impeccable in my uniform, but inside, man, I was broken. I was damaged. Right. And I had a lot of rage, you know? And so that stuff doesn't, it takes time. You just, you can't just, for me, I, I it took me till I was 52 to transcend my rage. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. just from the standpoint that I, I'm just so curious that, yeah, there's so many people so many, well, let's just, if we're just talking to men in this regard, so many quote unquote, again, powerful men who have a lot of influence, a lot of quote unquote money. They've got, uh, you know, seemingly what a lot of other men wish they could have. And yet they've gotten that, I think, purely driven by trauma, pain, rage, all of this, like, just very heavy energy, right? Not being enough, trying to prove the haters wrong. And even as I've heard that growing up, I'm like, ah, that just doesn't, I was also raised to believe that God is love, you know, and that Jesus healed by love, you know, and you look at other religions, most of them, the good ones are, you know, centralized around a common theme of love. And yet, so much of the the masculine presence or influence that I've seen comes from trauma and, like you said, beating and and then and and to your point early, not to go off on this tangent, but like we grow up and thinking that that's our only lens through which we see life, and then we pay it forward and we just teach the next generation. Sorry, kid, you got to suck it up. This is just the way this this is. Yeah, and I think we're learning, obviously, at this point now to realize that doesn't have to be the case your generational stuff, your generational trauma doesn't have to be paid forward. It can end with you, which I think is so powerful. But how did you work through that? I mean, that's so, I mean, I can't even imagine what you've been through. And then you sprinkle on top of that loss of, you know, you talk about your son, your brother, stuff with your dad, your mom. I mean, I I can't imagine how you work through all of that stuff. That's a lot. Well, um, you, you mentioned God is love. I'll tell you who what provisioned me is having a really strong matriarch, mm. a, a mm. woman, my aunt Gladys, we called her Glad. Okay. okay. And she provisioned me from early young age as a boy um, on how to save my life. She mm. provisioned me for the hero's journey ahead. And I was fortunate enough to have her. And, and I've been passing on this wisdom as best I can for my mm. whole life. You know, and just a few things that she said that tag right onto what you're saying is that God is love. She said, I, you know, she's researched all the major religions of the world. And she said, if you take out the extreme aspects and you distill it down to one core belief, God is yep. love. Totally, period. totally, totally. She said, you don't have to worry about religion. If you find a religion you want to devote yourself to, great. But if you just understand that God is love, you can get along with anybody from any religion. Okay. And you can respect their model of the world. They can hopefully mm-hmm. respect yours. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, so she asked me, do you believe God is love? And I said, after thinking about it, I'm like, no, I, I can't. Because if God is love, is why, why are these bad things happening to me? Yeah, right. You know, right. like, yeah. why, why am I always getting abused and beat up my whole family? You know, so no, it may be true for you, but not for me. And she said, it's okay. You're going to find your purpose. And you're going to find out that God is love in your own time. Mm-hmm. I didn't figure that out until I was 52. Mm. But along that line, after hearing this as a little boy, it kept echoing in my mind. Every time I was about to get beat up, I was about to get into it with some bad people and, and 
trauma, traumatic situations. I can tell you, I, I lost count of the number of times when I had to say, if God is love, why is this happening to me? Mm -hmm. And I couldn't answer that question. And for me, um, I, what broke it open partially was I did a, a First Nations uh, vision quest up in Calgary. Oh, cool. Four, four days and four nights with no food, no water, no Jeez. talking, no journaling, no writing. You just sit there by yourself for four days, four nights. On a solo. Yeah. Jeez. And everything got crystal clear. And I started, no, I started realizing that I had a purpose. And that was to really be of service to others and to move my pain. You know, and then I did a bunch of plant medicine journeys, like ayahuasca journeys and yep. um, psilocybin journeys and a whole bunch of other stuff. Nothing too, not, nothing too wild, nothing too out there, but, but some people might think ayahuasca is pretty out there. But yeah, but what I was able to do is I was able to retrieve my soul is what it was, what, what it came to me is that I, I, I'm a deeply spiritual person, but I'm not a religious person. And so I knew that the work is inside and I was so armored up and so closed down. I know a lot of people that find this place through prayer. I couldn't find it, you know? And when I went into deep into the medicine work, I was able to find myself and come across myself suffering and be observant of my suffering. I was no longer suffering. Mm. And what I found for me was a place that it wasn't even just it wasn't just the absence of conflict and violence and trauma and betrayal and all these things. There wasn't even the possibility of any of that. So I was able to tether myself into that place of this universal source of love and consciousness that I was able to bring that into my waking hours. And I did 19 of those journeys. And every wow. time it, it just deepened and deepened and deepened, you know, and so, I mean, now I can meditate. I can, I mean, I just have joy in my life. I never had joy up until I was 52. Jeez. Not one ounce yeah. of it. I, I yeah. had accomplishments. I had a lot of things that I can look back at, but no joy, mm. you know? And so being able to have that for the first time and be able to express it, you know, mm. uh, it was pretty powerful. You know, I, I was able to meet my wife, you know, she said, I was, you know, I was pretty crazy back when I was young. She said, you would have been a lot of fun, but it wouldn't have lasted. Mm. Right. And so, but, but, so, so now I understand how to take care of myself, how to, how to love myself. And I couldn't even say that, you know, my whole life, like love myself, give me a break. You know, um, I liken my life to a, a statement that I heard about like the plains of Africa every morning at dawn, when you wake up in the morning, whether you're the hunter or you're the hunted, you better be running. And that's yeah. my, that was my life, man. I was on high alert in a way, high yeah. alert, running away from my background. Like you don't want, if you knew my background, you would know, no way you would love yeah. me. Yeah. Right. And then running yeah. towards anything but that. So mm -hmm. both like Tony, Tony Robbins says, you know, these are towards and away from mm -hmm. values. Mm -hmm. And they're both like incredibly high powered forms of energy. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't want any of that. It's a form of energy you can use. Right. It can drive you forward. And then I want that. And so if you understand how to harness those things, but for me, it was exhausting. I was working as hard as I could to run away from my neighborhood. I went to work for Tony Robbins. I went to work for 
Tom Hopkins and Brian Tracy after I got in the Marine Corps, you know, because I needed to mimic success. I didn't know what it looked like. Mm. I had a very limited vocabulary, mm. obviously, for being the Marines. I had a very small compartmentalized level of emotions I would allow myself to experience. And so um, I'll tell you the biggest shifting point that I could share that I'm I'm going to pay forward right now that was given to me. Um, pay the, pay attention to the messengers you meet on your hero's journey because they're the ones who are here to teach you the most. Yeah. And then you meet them, meet them by chance. And so I met one of those messengers two weeks before I was getting out of the Marine Corps and he was a warrant officer and he was hearing me talk with my buddies about getting out of the Marines. And long story short, he said, Hey, you know, rather than sitting here drinking, I'd go to the bookstore. I go to the self-help section and I pick out anything that jumps off the shelf at me and I start reading about who I'm becoming. Mm. You know, I'd never really read a book cover to cover up until that point in my life. Um, and so I took his advice. I never saw him again, but I've been paying this exact conversation forward to thousands of times ever since. So I went to the bookstore. He, he, he said to me, you're going to get out. You're going to realize that the world doesn't need another hard ass Marine who could parachute out of helicopters. That night. <laughs> right, right. You know, put around on range, you know, people care about that stuff. Yeah. You know, and when you go home, you're going to notice that the world is exactly the same, but you've changed. And what you need to focus on is who you're becoming. So mm. I picked up, the, I, I, I say this virtually every time I do a podcast, I picked up the magic of thinking big by Schwartz because it was just a cool title. I'm like, that's yeah. jumps out the shelf at me, right? Yeah. Uh, think and Grow Rich. Wow. Another cool sounding title of a best yep. selling book forever, mm -hmm. right? Napoleon Hill. Mm -hmm. And then the strangest one that I looked at for a while was Psycho-Cybernetics by Maxwell Maltz. And the reason yep. why I got it is because he was a plastic surgeon who would make people beautiful, but they couldn't see it. Mm. Their self-image was so damaged. And that was me impeccable in this Marine Corps persona, but so broken and damaged yeah. inside. Yeah. So these are, these are some of the, the transformational points. And then myself and most every veteran and person I work with is in transition and crisis is identity, mission, meaning, and purpose. If you're messed up and you lack direction, you're not motivated, you're confused, most typically, it's because you lack identity, mission, meaning, and purpose. And if you're getting out of the military, they give you all that, right? You get a daily mission. They give you an identity and meaning and purpose of serving people around you and saving their lives and keeping it together. Like there's nothing stronger. And they galvanize you into this, whether whatever branch you're in, no matter where you are in the world, you own that identity. And when mm -hmm. you get out, you're not. It's like Rambo. Can't even get a job for <laughs> the burgers. Right, right. 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 So I'm packing a lot into that, but there's, there's just so much the transformation. How do you do it? Is it personal development? Like I was in the Marine Corps. There's no way I was going to go to counseling. Mm. You're telling mm. me I'm weak. Uh, there's just so many stigma stigmas associated with seeking help. And um, whenever you're ready, I'll, that's why I wrote my first book. Uh, I, I recorded an audio book for transitioning veterans about identity, mission, meaning, and purpose, and about yeah. self-regulating. Right. Well, I feel like, uh, to piggyback off of what you said, you know, 
Tony talks about, obviously, you're towards and away from values, but that will do so much more to avoid pain than we will to, to seek pleasure. And, and I feel like if you if you grow up, as a lot of us men did, with absent fathers, and even, you know, no matter what, it's all relative, but because we don't have anything to compare it to, a lot of us have been deeply wounded by our childhoods. Having said that, though, <clears throat> if you create a sense of identity based off of your avoidance of pain, you know, or let's say driven by, I just need to get the fuck away from that pain. No wonder you can feel, and correct me if I'm wrong, you said you detached, if you will, or I'm paraphrasing what you said, from your soul, right? From your spirit, because you just were in like protection mode or like survival mode, always on the run, <laughs> right? And so no wonder you can't ever feel like you're working towards returning to yourself because you don't have any bandwidth to focus on you until you said you start kind of doing the work. And it's kind of sounded really cool because I haven't done ayahuasca yet, but I've done on some of the other psilocybins. It's like, it's, it's interesting to kind of be able to take a step back and detach from a sense of identity that you have and look at like, oh, shit, and you depersonalize it. And you're like, oh, okay. And that, that does start to give you perspective just as you get older and you can see, okay, this trauma that I went through when I was younger isn't normal. And you start to have empathy. I think that's an important part of the journey that you had that you intuitively, or you just, you were led that way spiritually, you know, which is really cool. And I feel like it's the more, the older I get, the more I'm like, man, it's, it's one thing to read a book or go to a Tony Robbins uh, seminar, which I've done all of them and they're super powerful but like, there's another thing to, to, to be, to have it in your body, you know, to, to feel it versus have it only be analytical or conscious up in your thought. Would you agree with that or disagree? Yeah. Well, our mind is a meaning making mechanism. Yeah. Right. And that's all it does. It's like you're in a hamster wheel in a box yeah. and you just run and trying to figure shit out. Even if you get out of <laughs> the hamster wheel, you're still in a box. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. by, by trans transcending thought, Okay, it's hard enough. It's just it's just really difficult to get out of our thinking mind. But totally. being able to do it so thoroughly to where there is no mind, you're in this pure state of awareness. Mm -hmm. And it's so, so peaceful that you forgot you had trauma. It's like a form of amnesia where you just you're just like, and you're not tripping off either. It's not like an LSD. And I've done some of those when I was younger. It's yeah. not like that at all. Yeah. This is about yeah. a form of soul retrieval where you're man, you're healing at such a level. Like I used to have traumatic ticks, like a tick, like my, my, my neck would, my, I would get it to bolt up my spine. Like I had a, no, oh, interesting. Something. Yeah. And I used to, I, I, I mean, it was a visceral reaction and it was embarrassing. Mm. Mm. And I had all kinds of tricks to kind of deal with it. Like I was a presenter and I'd be in front of a group and all of a sudden this is freaked me out. Right. So I had, I'd, I'd act like I'm dark. I dropped my pen, you know, I would do all these little things to kind of deal with this to deflect it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was in an ayahuasca journey and that, that thing just started coming up as I'm in the medicine and my head starts thrashing around back and forth. And I'm familiar with this energetic charge. It's from a traumatic experience that is mm -hmm. highly charged. Mm -hmm. And this, this wonderful lady, her, she and her husband were facilitating it. Jesus comes over and hovers her hand over my forehead and the other one over my heart and starts singing, you know, and the medicine is just doing its work and I'm threshing back and forth. And all of a sudden about every five or 10 threshings, I go, 
oh, I just like get this really like, wow, this is it. I'm good. Mm. And then she stayed there until there was no more threshing. And it was like a tuning fork. Yeah, like aligning you. Yeah. And that tick has never come back. Wow. So I'm saying this is like really mm -hmm. deep work. Yeah. Yeah. You know, physiologically, somatically, ontologically, the being part of it, you know, just psychologically just there's, there's so many different levels that are going on um it, it's not for everybody but but it, it what it did for me was it helped me uh find a place within me that i knew it was mine it was real and it was the absence of conflict you mm -hmm. know and a lot of my a lot of my rage went went way down and you know the other thing that really helped me was i i was listening to an audiobook which i highly recommend to any of the listeners from Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry. It's called What Happened to You. Mm. And what she does is very vulnerably, just, she, just, she, she shares all of her childhood experiences, traumatic childhood experiences. Yeah. And Dr. Perry, who is a, like a child psychologist, he's like a world-renowned expert. He's breaking down what parts of the brain were stunted based on the years of age where she's describing the trauma. Mm. And he's really doing a good job of laying this out. And then he talks about the ACE scale. Have you heard of the ACE scale? Uh, I don't believe so. Maybe. It's a, it's a big deal, man. This will change the trajectory of your life. Like right now, yeah. all of us. The adverse childhood experiences scale, the mm. ACE scale. Mm. It's a 10 question survey anywhere <clears throat> on the internet. You can get it anywhere. Okay. Yeah. And it's just questions about childhood trauma. And if you have four yeses out of the 10, the chances of you having long-term problems with diabetes, hypertension, suicide ideation, depression, alcoholism, drug addiction, divorce, wow. Wow. all these things, of course. Your, your risk risk factors are really, really strong. If yeah. you have a six, if you have a six out of 10, those risk factors increase exponentially and statistically because of unresolved trauma, yeah. It'll take tw 20 years off of somebody's life expectancy. Oh, geez. Yeah, I believe that. Mm -hmm. And so, and so on a scale of one to 10, I'm a 10. Wow. So what woke me up and really put me <laughs> even further on this path to write this book and to get mm -hmm. into this work further is I'm saving my life. Mm. <laughs> like I am, I'm, I'm looking at what can I do to mitigate these risk factors? You're saving and, it and adding to it. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually putting years of my life. So it used to be when I shined a conscious light into the into my soul, it was dark, mm -hmm. complete darkness. So that's where the Mankind Project and and the Vets yep. Journey Home and a lot of the yep. other groups are doing, doing the shadow work, done. Mm -hmm. kicked, kicked it into gear to where I've done so much of this work that now when I shine a conscious light, I see little slivers, little silhouettes, and I'm able to go right there. Like that's where I need to go next. And I'm, I'm looking at this as putting years on my life because mm -hmm. I know I have huge risk factors, but I've already mitigated so much of it. Like just being able to meditate, just being able to relax, just knowing that I have joy in my life, just being able to drop down into gratitude and appreciation mm -hmm. instead of like, what in the fuck is wrong with this picture? Yeah. You know, yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I was just so, my frame of reference was so skewed. <clears throat> yeah. That's what needed to do the work is I needed to look through a different lens. Totally. Totally. Well, let's talk though about like the, 
and maybe something that you took for granted or still take for granted, uh, but I imagine you have empathy for it, just how much courage it takes for you, for any man who has stuff, of course, that we do everything we can to keep below the surface, but that runs our everyday behavior, right? But also keeps us disconnected from our soul or from our soul mate, if you will, or from our soul's path to to taking our mess and turning it into our message, if you will. I know there's just men that are listening to this and I've met so many of them too. They're just so scared to do anything. They know what they're doing doesn't work, but to actually open Pandora's box is so frightening. Did you have those moments? How did you work through those if you did? And I've, I've, I've had terrifying moments. Just even the thought of being on a show like this yeah. and uh, knowing that I've published this book that mm-hmm. is like a, it's like a, it's like an incredibly deep narrative memoir. Mm. Okay. It's a, it's a body of work that's deeply transformational disguised as a narrative memoir. Like I don't do any self-help in this thing. There's no seven yeah. steps to doing anything. Yeah. But what I'm doing, the, the subtitle is called The Relentless Pursuit of Becoming Who We Are Meant to Be. Mm-hmm. It's about the journey. It's about the learning and the struggle. And it's about sharing the lessons that are learned along the way to where the listener is learning viscerally through being immersed in the experience. For me, that, and, 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 and I literally say, you know, even monkeys fall from trees. Like I'm not a teacher, okay? I'm not here to teach anybody anything. I'm willing to share some life-changing and catastrophic, heartbreaking experiences because I'm I'm here to go first. I'm here, and I never thought this was me. I never thought I wanted to have anybody ever read this, like reading your personal journal kind of stuff. Right. But I've seen this work over the last 25, 30 years transform thousands and thousands of people. Just, just I don't really do one-on-one work anymore. But I know this whole thing cover to cover. Like I know what I know how to start where somebody is, not just say, here's my program, yeah. or here's my philosophy. Yeah. But I would say to your question, it's not necessary that you go all in too quick. You may have a people may have it wired up like I just can't be that vulnerable. Well, why don't you start deconstructing what you're thinking first? Mm-hmm. Since we're meaning making machines, I'll give you an example. Yep. There's a book called Mastering Life's Energies. Mm. Okay, Maria Nemeth. She's a really a good friend of mine, but more or less, she's a, one of my greatest teachers. Okay, mm-hmm. um, page 99 to 111. Okay, <clears throat> she has, um, it's called the four box method. Sounds really super sophisticated, right? Mm-hmm. But basically what it is, is the conclusions that we hold cause us to gather evidence. Mm. Like I had a, I had a conclusion that man, there's something wrong with me. Yeah. Like why else would my dad treat me this way? Why else would these bad things happen to me? So I had to reinforce from childhood into early adulthood. Because you're not enough. There's not not enough. There's something wrong with you. And my my mind to do the only thing it's designed to do, which is gather evidence to support whatever conclusion I had, good or bad, resourceful or unresourceful. And that, that conclusion caused me to show up in the world as skittish and nervous. Well, if you're in a bad neighborhood with a lot of gangs, a lot of violence, that's just what they prey on is skittish and nervous. Hold on. 
Totally. Okay. So they totally. showed up and it reinforced the conclusion that there's something wrong with me. Mm-hmm. Okay. And like a hamster wheel, like I'm just circling and circling because I'm gathering the wrong evidence because I got the wrong conclusion. But the mm-hmm. instant I changed my conclusion into what am I supposed to be learning from this? All of a sudden, my, my mind started gathering different kinds of evidence, a higher quality, a higher order. Like you in the military, you know how to handle yourself. You got all this experience. You're not that scared kid anymore. So I started showing up as a lot more relaxed, engaged, interested, curious. People around me showed up a lot more engaged and interested and curious. And it reinforced the conclusion that I'm a learner. So if all you did was look at this page right here and read this portion of this book, you could get out of your habitual thinking and go, what kind of stinking thinking have I got going on here? Like, what are my shitty conclusions that I'm walking around with? You know, people are assholes. Well, and you generate evidence all day long. My boss is a jerk. Okay. Every time you see an email or you, you, you hear their voice, you're, you're going to gather evidence. See, they're a jerk. And you're going to show up in a different way. If you take this kind of work seriously, this will shift the trajectory of your life. Like these are little tools in my book. I I just go into, like, I really, I wrote a chapter about Maria, about my experience of going through her program and how she gave me a lot of shit. She really, really put my rage front and center in front of me. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And so there's a bunch of other chapters about mindfulness, about non-duality, you know, um, just a lot about experiential learning and just yes. building, building upon it. Like that, that, that guy in Okinawa, Japan, who turned me on to personal development, he interrupted the trajectory in my life so thoroughly that five years later, I'm working for Tony Robbins. <laughs> right. That shit up. Right. Like a five minute conversation. I don't know where I would have been in my life. Had that messenger not shown up. Yeah. Yeah. So you and I right now, with this conversation, we are that messenger. hundred percent, hundred percent. And it, and it sparked your curiosity, right? But it made yeah. me think of what you said earlier, um, these messengers and, and I, I just being curious, I'm not really tied to uh, a belief on this either way, but you said like these messengers just kind of come by, by chance and do they, or do they just, or are they really coming by just when you need them? Or is fate, or is it uh, law of attraction? You know, if we're talking Napoleon Hill, so many different things. Like uh, sometimes it's like, well, what's luck? It's like preparation and opportunity meeting. You know, it's like, nah. It's like you can call it dumb luck or whatever. But uh, I do feel like these messengers come at the right times. But I think that the biggest component of anyone who's listening to a podcast like this and who's going to pick up your book is that curiosity point. You know, it's like it's the vital ingredient for growth. Well, Gladys, the way she said it was, hey, pay attention to the messengers messengers you seem to meet by chance. Hmm. someone's like hey come here let me tell you this is random yeah 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 but 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 it got my curiosity yeah you know and um so be curious you know and i I, transformation can happen in a heartbeat in a nanosecond yeah Yeah. okay and and if you're sitting around waiting for somebody to come on and flip your switch and turn you on what happens if they don't show up yeah you know but, but you can take one thing from this and start okay you can go get online, go get, if you're an audiobook person, become an addicted to audiobooks. 
Yeah, right. So self-help, find anything yeah. that jumps off the shelf at you. Yeah. Start yeah. interrupting your pattern. <clears throat> Go take the ACE scale. It's free. Once you're armed with like, wow, I have some things to overcome. Now you can get motivated. Totally. Right. Totally. Now I'm clear. <laughs> I'm clear what my risk factors are. And so I'm working on every level of my being. I just got a continuous glucose monitor. I'm doing intermittent fasting. I'm watching my, 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 my eating. I'm doing more yoga. I'm doing more exercising all because I'm cleaning up the stinking thinking yeah. that's been blocking my, 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 my progression. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so be the dawn in the darkness is the title of your book. Correct. Your most recent book. Yeah. You have several, right? Um, are there specific chapters or certain areas of the book that are your favorite, your favorite to read, your favorite to have written, uh, that you think about the most? What do you feel like are some of the, because it seems like a, a pretty meaty, thoughtful book, obviously, and you've, you've spoken about it uh, in depth even before we started recording What's what's one part of uh, the book that you feel like is just if if you could just take one section out and people really leaned into is there is there anything that comes to mind? Well, there's a chapter called the Warrior's Wisdom, and I really like. It was from mm. a British Sicilian guy named Stuart Wilde, who has since passed away. But it's a it was a week long outward bounds kind of transformational cool. experience up in Taos, New Mexico, where we get to repel down a canyon which I really liked. And then really cool. fire, fire walking, you're doing the perch where you climb up on a telephone pole and you jump off and grab a trapeze and yep. a lot of crazy stuff like that. Yep. And, and what I really got from that was go first because I spent most of my life hiding out. And mm -hmm. in the military, you can hide out a lot because I, I, I used to enjoy watching people ripple, just like they would, the drill instructors or whoever, they, these guys, would, they, I, I would watch people crumble and fail. Their, their, just their lack of congruency, man, their body language, their, their voice tones. And sure enough, boom, they, they'd fail and they'd have to get recycled and go back and do it again. By the time it was my turn, I'd pretty much nail it the first time because I already saw what to do. Yes. <clears throat> but I got so good at hiding out that it was, became my MO. And when, mm -hmm. I went through the, when I went to the war is wisdom, you know, you're, you're here to experience life, not to avoid it. Mm -hmm. And, and I really... I had a, a flash of insights go first. That's, 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 that's why I'm here. I need to go first. And so every exercise, all these scary things, I, I lost my fear of embarrassment and I went first and I, and I, and I, and I, and I broke through that, 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 that need to be impeccable, that need to look good. I'm like, fuck that man, I gotta, I, I gotta live my life. I gotta, I gotta be somebody different. Yeah. And that, that experience caused me to do incredibly important things immediately that I was yeah. putting off. Mm -hmm. so that's a great chapter. I love that. Well, and you said earlier too, like uh, even monkeys fall out of trees. I'm no teacher, but, but in essence you are, because like you said, if you're, you're putting your book out there, you're putting your, 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 you are leading, you are teaching by allowing men who are younger than you or men who are working through their own shit to be like, Oh, he's look at him with his vulnerability. Look at him with the courage. Look at how he's become in my mind, uh, a King of your kingdoms, of your emotions, of your, 
of everything in your life because you had the courage and the curiosity to lean into possibility other than just accepting limiting beliefs and then finding supportive evidence, right? So you are a massive teacher in my book. And I'm obviously so privileged to have you on, but well, I'm, yeah. I appreciate that, man. It's, it's interesting. I, I, I say it often that, you know, teachers fall from the pedestals we put them on. Yeah. You know, and so I'm really careful about being all of that. I've worked for major thought leaders in my lifetime, you know, and I've been humbled hard. That's yeah. the big deal for me is I've been humbled so hard. It took all that to get my ego cracked mm -hmm. so I could see what's inside. And, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm humble. Uh, I like bringing attention to other people uh, who are doing great work. Like that's mm -hmm. why I like to write these chapters about thought leaders. Um, there's a lot of really great men, including yourself that are, that are the next generation of men's leaders and men's voices you know, I don't want to compete with that. I want to support it. Mm. You know, so I, I think that the work that I'm doing is going to be universal. 100%. Yeah. And it's going to be universal for the women who love us and want to understand us to women who really want to pay attention to a strong matriarch and Gladys. Yeah. Women love the book. And then for men, man, it's a, it's about how to face what's going on because like you said it earlier, it's like you're a sum total of all the experiences you've had in your lifetime and consequently, all the experiences that you're avoiding. <laughs> yeah. There's no, no other way to look at it. No other like, way. You know, so, um, so it's about truth telling with yourself. But I would say start with some small elements of notice your thinking. How do you transform your thinking? Like, I'm such a fuck up or, or I'm such an idiot. Well, you are going to always be an idiot if you keep saying that to yourself. Yeah, that's like a good little, point. little little things like that make a huge difference. Like watching Tony Robbins calls it your transformational vocabulary. Watch your TV, mm -hmm. right? You realize you just said, "Well, I'm depressed." Are you really depressed? Well, yeah, all the time. Well, not all the time. Okay, so you're not really depressed all the time. So part right. of you is depressed. Mm -hmm. Now we're getting somewhere, mm -hmm. which is a whole other conversation about <laughs> like the parts work, uh, internal yeah. family systems. Yeah. Yeah. Game changing. Game changing. Yeah. Which, uh, yeah. I mean, there's a, so much there. I, I'm excited to kind of get into the ACE stuff as well, but I do feel like that's a great, if a guy's listening, that's a great, and, and this, you know, is fascinating to him, but also could potentially be like drinking from a fire hose. I'm not sure what, what guys are experiencing, but that's a great first step. And I agree with you. And I feel like I got some of that at Tony Robbins too, coming home from so many of his programs. And one of them was just like, just literally like I said no to peanuts on the plane. And then I, I just got curious. It's like, well, but why do I, I love peanut butter, but I hate peanuts. It's like, huh? And I was like, no, actually I'll take some peanuts. And I was like, if I just chewed up really fast, doesn't it just become peanut butter in my mouth? And I did it. And I was like, oh, these were really good. And it just made me like, where did this, then I got curious again, where did this initial label? Oh, I don't care for nuts come from probably around the time in junior high when I had braces and I'd get nuts all in my braces. And it was such a hassle. I just stopped saying no to nuts, but I had forgotten that. And here I am nearly 30 years old, be like, Oh, I don't care for nuts. And it's just little things like that start to crack the foundation to an identity of this is just who I am. And I fit in this box. Right. Right. And I love that you, your, your suggestion of just something like that. I give that as an example of like just challenging those little thoughts 
I think it's so healthy because then it allows us to become better husbands, better, you know, fathers, better coworkers, better siblings and children of our older aging parents. It's just like, it's, it's, it's such the difference between, you know, let's say toxic masculinity, men who are essentially just living by their wounds and men who are actually committed to healing and showing by their, their walk and their talk. Right. Yeah. Well, there's a men's movement now and it's been underway for 30 years, but for some reason with the uh, younger men in their twenties and thirties and forties, um, and I have a lot of optimism. It's just like mm-hmm. the tribe is growing. Yes. Okay. Good men doing their work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. my my wife loves it when I go away and I do my work. And <laughs> I brought a lot of men into this work. And yeah. what I love talking to their wives, like, how's he doing? And like, I got my husband back. Yeah. You know, there, there's hope. And you don't have to take off too much at one time. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, I look at it as like, a, I think it's called a, a Russian, like Matryoshka doll, where there's like the different layers. Okay. And I, each time I'd crack open a layer from some big transform, transformative experience, I'd be all excited only to find the next crusty layer, right? <laughs> right. And what I, what I found is after years in doing this work, all of a sudden I finally figured out that my joy is in the smallest one, mm. but it's being guarded by my rage. Like mm. why, is rage, why is rage guarding my joy? And then I, I've been able to really kind of like get underneath like this internal family systems, the parts work from Dr. Dick Schwartz, mm-hmm. you know, it really, it changed the way I was thinking things because I, like I, I saw a bumper sticker when I was a little kid. I really liked it. it said, I met my little, I met my inner child and he's a mean little fucker. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that was yeah. my inner child. Right. Yeah. And so, um, so, so I was able to work with, I have a really great counselor who is able to pull me out. And he's like, that little kid that was hiding under the bed that was scared to death every single day, terrorized, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was, I'd done a lot of work with it, doing the shadow work that we've done in the men's work, but I never really, really took it to the last final stages, which is like, I'm okay, he's okay, we're one, we're mm. one and the same. And I imagined getting back together and we, I went through this process of collapsing the boundaries of the parts into the whole mm. with this little, those younger version of myself. And that night, instead of waking up and fretting about what's wrong with this picture it's, and, it's, and, and, and staying awake until dawn, I imagined that little part of me was sleeping soundly, mm. deeply sleeping, like drooling, sleeping soundly, <laughs> right? Yep. And, inst- and I immediately went back to sleep. And that those little things just energetically cleaning up a part of me that was holding on to fear and terror unnecessarily. I just needed to calm that part of me down mm-hmm. and make sense with it and then make, make peace with it and let them know that we're looking at the future together and dad's gone. There's no more terror. There's no more fear. And as soon as he was able to relax, he was able to go to sleep and yeah. I was able to go to sleep. So this is, yeah. it seemed like a little thing, but it was, super huge yeah no it's uh i didn't know much about it until the last couple of years but doing inner child work for sure has been monumental in my growth as well and and i didn't know i didn't know yeah how big it was i think it is huge as well um 
and I think it's so important to your point uh, with what you said earlier, just the power of mentors, of how they can, and and you being one of them for us as a men's movement is to see, okay, to hear your story, but then not to to be able to be like, but that was you. Like I don't, I can't even see that because what I what I see in front of me is a man who's healed, who's in, in integrity, he's congruent. But I believe you. I believe that you're telling me the truth. So to see that, like, oh my gosh, you've done that much work or you made that much progress to realize how important it is to have mentors who have gone before you to say, hey, let us help you shape your life and and find healing personally and professionally, right? And to offer that guidance and support when we need it, I think is without that, I feel like we'd all just be the blind leading the blind. Yeah. Right. Well, think so, about it. You probably don't need to get 50% better. I certainly don't need to get 50% better. But where we are at, a 1% shift, a half a percent shift for me, like this last work that I did with that younger part of me that needed to be integrated into the whole, they call yeah. it unburdening. Mm-hmm. I had to unburden that younger part of me so I could relax and bring it in. That half a percent, that little 1%, deepening has had a seismic effect on my entire existence. You don't I feel like it. 50%. No. And I agree, but I do feel like if I go back to 28, 29, 30, when I started the work and I first went to UPW that kind of opened my eyes before my divorce, I, I did need to become a hundred percent better. I just hated who I was. And those first several years of doing the work, I was moving massive blocks and I got kind of addicted to those massive ahas, but then as, as they started happening less frequently, because I was becoming more congruent with who I was, I was just like, what's wrong? I'm not having these big ahas. And I learned, it's just kind of like looking at Tiger Woods or Roger Federer or whomever, right? Who are at the top of their game athletically, a, a difference in how they hold the golf club, you know, the smallest, the 1% might be a complete game changer for their results as a professional. And that's what I kind of feel like looking at you. And I feel like I'm moving my way there. Would you agree with that? It's like the smallest, it's more like you're just making the finest refinements, but they can be completely game changers still. Yeah. You hit on it. When I was, when I was starting out, I needed to get, I needed to get 75, 80% better. I get that. Cause I, I was like, I had no idea what was going on, you know? And, um, and so there's a funny, a funny thing I heard along the way, you know, there's no, there are none so righteous as the newly converted. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Man. I was just so excited. I was evangelizing everything. Yeah. And, um, you know, but now I'm preaching, I'm appreciating the quiet shifts. Like I don't tell people necessarily when I'm learning something big, I just different. I show up happier. I show up better. I don't need to tell people, yeah, I went to this seminar and I learned how to do this or that. Just be, you know, that's the best part about it. And, uh, I'm not as reactionary as I used to be. And that surprises people. Like when I don't get, when I I don't get a reaction, I'm like really pleasant. I just change the subject. Hey, I gotta go. That leaves them in a place to do something different because I'm no longer that reactive version of myself. Yeah. 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 I think it's just, uh, I feel like I could keep talking with you for, for hours, but I do on that last note, I feel like, um, 
that is for me at least and i know we there's so much synergy amongst all of us on how we have all of our podcasts just in men's work i do feel like we're all working towards becoming the greatest versions of ourselves uh, as it says on your book right becoming kings for me is just becoming where you just have dominion over your life and your emotions and no matter what storm comes you are that rock and it doesn't mean that you don't have emotions it doesn't mean that you ever you don't ever lose your shit but you own it and you continue to move forward and you are a exemplar example, <laughs> if you will, for future generations that maybe we didn't have growing up as children. I don't think there could be any greater gift and to future generations than for us to be men that are like with younger men be like, damn, I, I'm aspiring to be that guy. I mean, Tony Robbins was that for me initially. It was like, holy shit. But at least gave me something to aim for. Otherwise, I was completely lost. And just listening yeah. to the, you know, whisperings of the wind, I didn't, I didn't have much direction. So I feel like it does go back to what you were saying in terms of the purpose and the mission and the, the direction you're going. So much of that is so important for men, and a lot of men are lost. Um, and that's why I just think it's so important for them to to pick up a book like yours, invest in themselves. They're listening to this anyways. So keep that journey going. Keep that growth path yeah. moving forward, right? Have you um, listened to much Jim Rohn? Uh, to Jim Rohn? Sure. Yeah. 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 Not the sports guy. We're talking about the philosopher, Jim yes. Rohn. Yes. So I worked for Jim Rohn for a little bit before I went to work for Tony. Yeah. And uh, I just share this with you because it's, it's a chapter about Jim Rohn in my book, mm. Success Strategies. And if you want something that's going to interrupt your trajectory of your life, like right now, yeah. it'd be these two, it'd be two, these two things. I, I had to pull over and write these things down to, to commit them to memory because they were that profound. Because mm. I was so messed up on peer pressure. I just wanted to be accepted. I was hanging out with all the wrong people. Mm. He said, you must carefully examine the credentials of those who wish to enter the place in your mind where your thoughts are formed. Mm. And I thought, wow, I have been <laughs> yeah. not checking any of credentials. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like, yeah. but carefully examine the credentials of those who wish to enter the place in your mind where their thoughts are formed. Up until that point, credentials. Like anybody who accepted me, they were in. Yeah, yeah. And so I immediately- Here's the I keys, able, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like, I'm <laughs> yeah. Like, I can understand peer pressure. And the second yeah. thing he said was the three types of association, which really hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, the first type of association is disassociation. Get rid of people that are toxic. Get them out of your life. Yeah, yeah. However, comma, if it's, you know, limited association, what happens at their family? You got to see mm -hmm. them at Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Well, then tell them that you're going to limit the association. I literally had to call people and say, you know what? You're not going where I'm heading, but your family, I'll see you at Christmas. If you ever want to kind of really get curious about who you're becoming, I'll talk <laughs> to you, but you're too toxic. I'm going to, I'm going to go this way. Yeah. And then the, th the third kind of association was expanded association. Find the people that have the qualities that you really want to cultivate and develop. Take them to lunch. Tell them what you see in them. Hell yeah. Ask, yeah. Them, ask them for advice. Because the reason why you can see those qualities in others is because they are deep down within you already. 100%. 100%. So, so, they, so if you're looking for like, what can somebody take away from this interview today? Like Jim Rohn. Like, geez, you know, what happened to you with Oprah Winfrey and Dr. Bruce Perry? 
mm -hmm. Mastering Life's Energies with Maria Nemeth. Yep. And there's like, The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz. Yep. Turn your, turn, turn your journey into a mm -hmm. personal development journey and you'll have thought leaders by your side all around you. You can take what you need and you can lead the rest. Yes. Which is uh, such a, a privilege that we take for granted now in this information age that we can literally have that in our, in our ears with our earbuds, you know, connected to our phone and we have limitless libraries, which is so fascinating. So good. Right. Um, and I, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think that's uh, such a powerful point that we need to stand order, stand guard at the door of our thought. I've heard Tony say that. I've heard that. Um, my mom even said that it's so much when I was growing up uh, religiously, otherwise, um, you know, negative thoughts, negative people can, you know, plant a seed and let it germinate. And it's, it's really difficult for nice guys who have, who only want acceptance, who have no healthy boundaries to start to put boundaries around, oh, you're, you're not good for me. You're toxic. And I need to disassociate from this friendship. But that's, and I, and I agree, I, I kind of went through that myself. It's just, it was such a difficult process, but so needed. And then I felt so much more confidence because my life was better. I was like, oh, I can actually be a leader in my own life rather than just letting other people dictate, you know, based off of whatever they want me to do. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, well you're, it's interesting when you make that declaration to people, they watch what you're doing. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. uh, and coincidentally, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. There was a few people that I really liked, but they just had so much stinking thinking going on. I didn't like yeah. myself hanging out with them. I just like, you know what? Every time I'm around you, I just feel like shit and I'm not, I'm not doing this anymore. <laughs> yeah. Okay. If yeah. you want to do something different and you want to elevate your thinking, then let's keep in touch. We'll talk again. Yeah. And fortunately a couple of them that I really liked, they just said, you know, I noticed where you're going. I, I get what you're saying. Uh, I have to agree with you and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. That's which cool. is by the way, this is by the by the way, the one of the biggest traps for men and people in general is it's not okay to not know what to do. Mm. Yeah. Like yeah. we gotta know what to do, and it's not okay to not know what to do. People get hurt, people get killed, right? They look stupid. Right. So we spend a lot of time ruminating around what we know. Okay. So big right. chunk of this work is about is it okay to not know what to do? And you get yeah. guys that are like, once you ask that four or five times and not let them off the hook, they're like, no, it's not okay to not know what to do. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. let's start there. A friend of mine shared this with me. He's like, until you can admit that you don't know what to do, you can't create the possibility of creating something new. Yes. Such you're a good stuck point. In all that you know. But when mm -hmm. it's so liberating to say, you know what? I just don't know what to do. Great. Let's start there. You yep. don't know what to do. Right? <laughs> That's the beginning of the transformation journey. Yeah. Really. That humility, letting that ego go. Yeah. So powerful. Well, John, thank you for your time. Where can guys uh, pick up your book? It's on Amazon. It's on Audible. It's on Apple. It's on Barnes and Noble. But if you go to, if you go to harvestingwisdom.com, okay. um, my wife doesn't agree with me about doing this, but I figured I'm going to eliminate any barriers right on the front page. You can pick up the first seven copies of the book in a PDF or listen to the first the first seven chapters in a PDF or the first four yeah. chapters in the audiobook form on me, and you just listen to it. You look at the table of contents. And if it resonates with you, then by all means, pick it up. I love but, that. But uh, I'm not just here 
to, to sell you a coaching program. Okay. I'm, I'm not here to do that at all. Actually. I don't, I don't do coaching anymore. Okay. And uh, this is about you finding something that gives you a grip, like a foothold on mm -hmm. who you're becoming. Mm -hmm. And uh, there's enough ideas here that should be thought provoking where you can come back to it, you know? And uh, I think it's a pretty useful, useful guide. Jeez. hundred percent. Thank you for taking that the time, having written my own book too. I know it's a, a labor of massive love and commitment and uh, transformation in of itself to have the cojones to put, quote unquote, your dirty laundry out there for everyone to see. Uh, but what blesses one obviously blesses all. So thank you guys can pick that up at uh, harvestingwisdom.com, right? I'll put this all yep. in the, the show notes too. I'll link to your Instagram and your LinkedIn if guys want to connect with you personally. Um, but man, just thank you for taking the time, John. Um, really appreciate it. And uh, hopefully this is the first of many, many times on the podcast. I just, I feel like we could get into part two and part three and part four. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this real quick too. In closing, what is one area of your life, of your growth journey that you are personally working on right now that you're leaning into? Uh, my risk factors. I mm. just got a, I just got a, a continuous glucose monitor. Yeah. Okay. And I'm going to go to the Mayo clinic. I'm going to have a workup. I'm going to go do a lot of testing right now so I can get a good measure on my risk factors. Your baseline. Yeah. 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 And, uh, and I'm torn between giving up my data to do some DNA testing versus having some answers that I really desperately want right now. Yeah. You know, but that's where I'm at. And I've got a nutritionist, I've got a fitness trainer, you know, I'm just really looking at, you know, um, I've been enrolled in some programs, you know, to work, to work on my spiritual development. I'm just really looking at softening up the inside and getting all the, the crusty residual, whatever's there that needs to be cleaned out. That's what I'm working on now because I want to put I want to put more years of my life and just my way of being has gotten much easier, but I still carry a level of tension, this yeah. dynamic tension. Yeah, I, I think that has a ro an eroding effect over years. So now yeah. I'm 61. I'm thinking about how can I clear that out? How yeah. can I really really get that moving the ener energetically? And uh, so that's what I'm doing for self care. Yeah, yeah, resolving that dis ease in your body energetically and the, the concerns it takes up space yeah you know right. so i like the term recycling i'm recycling worry into action i'm recycling worry into well-being mm, i love that i love yeah. that that's a perfect perfect place to stop and we'll pick up on another episode thank you john henry so much thank you for dropping truth bombs and wisdom bombs on us throughout this whole time um it's just a privilege to be able to, to connect with you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to continuing the conversation. So thanks for being here. Thanks a lot, man. It's been great. And I imagine we will do some more sessions together. Totally. Totally. Looking forward to All it. Right. Well, guys, thanks for listening. Uh, like I said, check out harvestingwisdom.com. If you want to connect with John Henry, um, pick up his book. You know, I am as well. And we can have a little book club together and uh, just keep investing in yourself. That's the whole point of this journey. As uh, all men from brothers from different mothers, so to speak, as we grow and we improve and we continue to step into 
our power and greater versions of ourselves. So until we join you guys on another episode, thanks for listening to the Becoming Kings podcast. I'm your host, Johnny King. We'll talk soon. Cheers. That's it for this one. And I want to thank you for listening. Hey, if you got some good ideas from this episode and you want more, please feel free to subscribe to the podcast. And if you think others may benefit from it also, share it on social media and tag me in your post so I can say, hey, it would also mean a lot to me if you felt inclined to write a review of the show on Apple Podcasts, since I read every single one of them. And if you've got any questions or topics that you'd like to recommend, or really just anything that you think I could improve upon, man, I thrive on constructive feedback. So hit me up with an email at podcast at johnnyking.com. Oh, and feel free to also subscribe to my YouTube channel, connect with me on LinkedIn, and follow me on Instagram at Johnny King and on Facebook at facebook.com backslash Johnny King Men's Coach. Thanks again for joining me. I'll catch you next time.